0: Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance.
1: This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. Brought to you by Air Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort, on 93.5 and 107.5 The
2: Fan. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway was covered in bricks all the way around. As years went by, asphalt replaced them, but not all of them. There's still a strip of the original foundation right at the finish line, 36 inches wide. They call it the Yard of Bricks. And those bricks have seen it all. They've seen more than 100 runnings of the Indianapolis 500, the most famous race in the world. They've seen the with pack with 300,000 fans making more noise than the cars. A giant party on the other side of the walls. They've seen the greatest drivers on earth take the checker flag. Every year, they've seen a bottle of milk spilled in celebration. 50 years ago, they saw a 29-year-old immigrant from Nazareth, Pennsylvania win the Indianapolis 500. I still can't believe it's true. I'm just, uh, I'm gonna have to be pinching myself all night. I thought I might win a half a dozen more, and I tried. But that one was the greatest moment of my life. I'll never have a better day than the day I pulled into victory lane. First win in 79 was great. It's almost like, okay, we won. Let's go on and win another one.
0: Lindy's really the one thing I've ever done in my life. The more I did it, the more I wanted success. If these bricks could talk, boy, what a story they could tell.
2: Want to add a chapter to this story race? It takes a great team, a fast car and the courage to accept the danger that comes with it. That was frightening. It takes some of the best athletes and minds on earth. An American institution, a Memorial Day tradition, it is older than all of us. It's where history comes to life, and where history is made.
0: We are racing at Indianapolis.
2: One of them will emerge as champion. Scream across the finish line under the afternoon sky. A checker flag above his head. The, the field in his wake, as always. Those ancient bricks beneath his wheels.
0: Race week continues, and you know in May we multitask, and we're always thinking about the Indianapolis 500 coming up. Our open from tonight, courtesy of NBC Sports. That was, I think, the open, or as they say, the tease to NBC's first Indianapolis 500 telecast in 2019, voiced by the legendary Mario Andretti. We'll continue to go through some of those. And, and you know, there's going to be Delta Force at some point featuring the great Paul Page. So we look forward to more of that. And we'll get set for road course weekend with the GMR IndyCar Grand Prix coming up. Friday and Saturday. Race time, 3.30. Well, technically, 3.45 is the green on Saturday. I know TV, NBC, Channel 13 locally, will be on at 3.30. I'm betting IndyCar Radio is on earlier with more extensive pre-race show at 3 o'clock. But I mention that because, you know, sometimes you see a telecast begin and it might be 45 minutes until it goes green. Nope. Don't mess around. They'll be climbing in the cars when we go on the air at 3 30 and the command will be just a few minutes later so we ain't gonna mess around we're gonna get to racing and kick off the month of may but i didn't mention already i should say hello welcome kevin lee kurt cavin eddie garrison is in our indianapolis studios we're gonna roll through a lot of questions kurt tonight on the program because that's the beauty of being every night i'm not aware of any massive news we have to cover so we can do a little catching up tonight
1: yeah, it's fun. I actually really enjoy these hour-long shows. It's just enough time for a couple of guys and a bunch of race fans to gather to talk about and listen to and think about the Indianapolis 500. Uh, I really appreciate what, uh, what Jake Quarry and Mike Thompson are doing with Beyond the Bricks after this show. So if you can't get your two hours of fill nightly during the month of May, well, you'll just have to find another way.
0: Well, there's more because there are podcasts. I need to find it. Somebody tweeted this out the other day. I apologize. I don't have the link in front of me. But uh, someone who I know I've interacted with before has archived pretty much everything this radio station has done and other people have done. So you can find old uh, Donald Davidson shows. I think a lot of our shows are on there. Some of the other features that the radio station, going back to WIBC, has done. So there's a lot of cool stuff out there to get you ready for the month of May. Sometimes I I really struggle with consuming everything, not just audio, but journalists like yourself put together fantastic pieces. A lot of them are race week and they're feature types, and I, I just don't get to it. And I try to email them to me, and sometimes when I'm catching up in September, I'll go back and read, A great piece that Nathan Brown or David Mulsher Lopez or someone did uh, back in May. So there's a lot going on, and it's better to have a lot than than not enough. Uh, On
1: on that topic, the the Indy 500 year uh, program, the Indy 500 program arrived today, so it's really Mm. exciting. I think that's like a Christmas day for me to get the program, start looking through it. They'll be on sale here shortly, maybe in the museum by the by the end of the week. And uh, you'll want to get one of those. One of the best stories in the in the publication this year is about all the Scandinavian drivers. Joey Barnes did a nice piece between IndyCar and Indy Next. It feels like the Scandinavians have taken over in in, in yeah. this sport. They uh, and they're not only involved and and high in numbers, they're successful. Marcus Ericsson leading the way, Felix Rosenquist, Christian Lundgaard, Christian Rasmussen. And that, that only begins to tell the story. So a lot of good uh, reading in that program, and, and you people will be excited to see it, and you'll probably start to see pictures of it over the next next few days. But that's always a big day for me. All
0: right, let's start getting into catching up on Twitter questions from several days ago. Uh, John Day at 81 Indy asked, I don't know if either of you will even know this, but do you have any idea what percentage of IMS seating is typically sold during the 500-hour renewal window following each year's race. I tweeted Doug about it, haven't heard back, but I also know he's super busy.
1: So I don't know the actual number. I should, and and I should just text the person who knows the answer to that question and get you the exact answer. I may still do it here before the end of this show, but I can, because I'd forgotten that that was one of the questions we wanted to have answers. But I can tell you that if you value your seats, especially a prime seat, you should do it during the renewal period because those seats then... Uh, pretty quickly thereafter are available to other people, unless you've had them for, you know, an annual basis. But if you just had them for the first time and you want them again, you should renew pretty quickly.
0: I think I've heard Doug talk about this before, that it is that window right after the race where they sell the most tickets. Then I think it's not super busy for a little while. And then in the springtime, It starts to kick up again, you know. I think this. I'm going to guess the last couple of months, and there's probably an uptick around Christmas as well. But the last couple of months, and even every day, I'm going to guess is pretty significant, but also probably pretty consistent.
1: Well, and you got to remember that we have a finite number of people taking tickets, and you know, taking orders either by the phone or processing them uh, off the computer. So it's there is a, a physical number of tickets that you that would be a limit how many you could turn in a given day but i'm telling you it's consistent it is consistent from about you know the first of march on it's it's you want a job where you're going to work try the ticket office that's a busy place
0: you're selling as many tickets as say for a one-day event as a really successful minor league baseball team sells for the entire season yeah. And and a lot of those are going to the same people over and over, but you've got all these different people. So yes, quite quite a massive undertaking.
1: And keep in mind that the ticket office at IMS sells the tickets now for the Iowa Speedway event, the Detroit Grand Prix, and the Brickyard weekend and now an IMSA weekend in September. So it's okay. it's a really
0: busy stretch there. Dave Ragazio asks, which Indy 500 finish do you find more heartbreaking, impactful, 2006 with Marco and Hornish or 2011 with Hildebrand and Weldon? Great question. I just did a feature that I think you'll see a little chat on YouTube, on the NBC Sports YouTube page. Uh, Lee Diffie and I talking about the NBC top 10 Indy 500s, and we brought in our Vice President of Statistical Data, Russ Thompson, to join the program today. And we talked about 2011. I'll let you start. Which one? Um, More heartbreaking and impactful?
1: Well, I don't know.
0: Uh, Impactful is
1: probably 06, but heartbreaking, I might go to to 2011. Uh, And I guess I say 2011, you know, that's J.R. Hildebrand's moment. And not that Marco didn't have other moments; he did win other races. He also is an Andretti, and by (laughs) that's a pretty good, pretty good uh, victory lap to take in its own right. Uh, I'd say it's JR Hildebrand. Just me too. Yeah, it's you know he's. I I don't want to paint you know JR as an everyman, so to speak, that Marco isn't because that's not fair to either one of them. But JR is kind of one of you know he's just. (laughs) <laughs> that's his moment that is his moment in sports and uh, and his career and um again i have poorly answered that question but i think i would lean toward 2011
0: well losing on the last straightaway is heartbreaking enough if you're marco andretti and and i think he understood the ramifications you know because i think some would say you're 19 years old you're going to have plenty of more opportunities But one, he knew his grandfather's story, who won when he was young and never won in however many more starts, 25 plus more starts. And his dad, who could have, should have won so many times and was in position to win that day late as well. Uh, So he understood you can't guarantee you're going to get another chance. But he, he, you know, it's not like he made a mistake at the end, he just was beaten. Whereas for poor JR, he not only has the heartbreak, but he has people saying, you know, how can you uh, screw up in that fashion? Well, it's a little harder than than it appears. There's there's more to it than that. And I wouldn't say that he just simply failed at the end, but it got away from him and he never won a race. He finished second in another race, but he never won a race. Maybe that's better than just finishing second straight up, because we may not remember that. If you finish second straight up, you may be forgotten. At least Jerry Hildebrand is always going to be remembered in Indy 500 history.
1: Well, and it's also, that's a painful thing for him. I, I remember having a conversation with him not that long ago, maybe three or four years ago. And I said, you know, boy, just the way you always handled that question when you got it, it was really mm-hmm. admirable. And he said, you don't know how much I wanted to fight back on that one. It just, it you know, it it just kills him. It, it's so yeah. painful. And the other thing about Marco is, you know, he won other races, as I said. He won two races in his career, career that continues, by the way. And he was the pole sitter for the 2020 Indy 500. That's his moment, if you will. I mean, that's, you know, his celebration, his victory, if you will. That's that's his big moment at Indy. Jr. never had another one. So I guess if you think about it in a global sense, that's why I
0: still go back to Jr. Brian Campbell, Brian underscore Campbell one, all this talk about drivers needing budget with global racing empires for Penske and Ganassi and Andretti. Don't they have an extra million dollars somewhere to fund any car and driver they want? Do teams get any share of TV and gate revenue at all?
1: No, the answer to the last question is no. And, and honestly, the answer to the first question is no. Uh, from the standpoint, yeah, they have extra money to throw uh, and they do. There are years when, when, you know, there are extra cars or, you know, in Penske's case right now, I'm sure he's, I'm sure that some of the money from his, his profit, so to speak, shows up in other race teams. Um, But, you know, these guys are businessmen and these guys have families and they have, you know, a bottom line that they're trying to reach for the business. And they'll look, you know, they always say this, whatever you have in racing, you're going to spend. And so whether they spend it on an extra driver or an extra car, you know, they're, they're spending that money on a better engineer or or attracting some extra help or development or testing or whatever it is.
0: It's like any business. You have a budget and all of Team Penske's drivers are fully hired. No one is, to my knowledge, has ever been asked to bring a sponsor To Team Penske. I'm sure they are open to it. If you say, hey, why don't you call this company? Because I think they'd be a a good candidate. But no one is required to bring budget to Team Penske. The other teams, it's mix and match. And it's usually not all. Some of the Andretti drivers do not bring any budget. Some of the Ganassi drivers do not bring any budget. The goal for any driver is to become That driver, that goes back, and this is probably in reference to the Marcus Erickson conversation, he wants to join that crowd, the Scott Dixon crowd that does not bring any budget. He got started as someone that was required to bring budget. Now he's won multiple races. He's won the Indy 500. Uh, He, I think, in fairness, would believe. I need to be in that crowd now, but that is um, still a, a, a point of discussion moving forward for them. So if they could find extra money, they would simply hand it out. But to just hand it out uh, because, you know, for Penske Corp and you're making a lot of money, well, that doesn't, it's not all the same. It's not all the same just because the company is doing well. You have to kind of look at the motorsports entity. And that's what makes motorsports so very challenging. Paul Dalby, Field of 33, asked this. I touched on this briefly, but I'll go back to it. How many people have been on the Indy 500 broadcasts? A part of a TV and radio, the network broadcasts. Yes, the ones that immediately come to my mind are Paul, Bobby Unzer, Bob Jenkins, Gary Gerald, Brian Hammonds, Vince Welch, Hinchtown, and me. Hinchtown, if those don't remember, he was our analyst in 2010, I think it was, while well, he was still an Indy Lights driver uh, because Davey Hamilton was driving in the race. At that time, a few others have come up with some others, and I thought of this one too. Larry Rice. I thought Larry did radio, and someone suggested that. And I know. Oh yeah, he, he was on TV. Radio. He did. Yeah, radio. he was on TV. Chris Economak, he obviously had guest appearances for both. Um. Yeah, someone pointed out that Sally Larvik, uh, Paul Page's wife, did some reporting for NBC and Indy Car broadcast, but not with ABC or 500 work would have been radio only. So I throw this out there because I'm not sure if there's anyone we are forgetting. Oh, this was the name I mentioned the other night when I touched on this. Charlie Brockman from the 60s. I don't know if Charlie was ever on the ABC television broadcast, but he was the host of the closed-circuit feeds before Wide World of Sports started doing with Jim McKay and in Indy 500 broadcast. I don't know if he ever appeared on the ABC or not, but if you want to count that, Charlie was definitely a big part of the IMS radio network. So that was the other one that I had, but I thought that was a fun question. Maybe it's biased because I think it's pretty cool to have done both.
1: Yeah, it, it is very cool to, to have done both and you could, there's probably a couple more, honestly, uh, but we'd have to go through the list and you know, it's really amazing how many people just have been on like the on the radio network broadcast. It's it's pretty long. Did we say Donald Davidson? It's possible Donald might have made both.
0: I'm sure he has appeared on the television, you know, as a subject, but I don't know that he was ever actually a working member of the team. Yeah, um, could be. but I, I could be wrong about that. You know, and someone pointed out too. Hey, Letterman was on. One of the ABC broadcasts, and he's been interviewed. I've interviewed him, and I'm sure others have too, on Indy 500 broadcasts. But again, not quite the same scenario there. But but cool question. Sasha Khan. Sasha-like soup is the handle. In recent years, 500 qualifying has been heavily influenced by draw time. In the future, could a Fast Friday 3-6 to six qualifying session be added with the same order run on Saturday? cars with hotter earlier friday time get cooler early saturday and vice versa. It's
1: kind of like the masters, you know, on on saturday yeah. or on thursday you start in the morning, then friday you've got the afternoons, you know, uh time slots. So and then just the other half of the field does just the opposite. I kind of like it, but I don't think that's what we'll see, but qualifying is a weekend show and I expect it to continue at least in uh the foreseeable future.
0: So I've thrown out that idea before if we really want to get creative with schedules consider if your television partner uh would play ball and I don't know that it it's not likely on NBC. You're not you're not getting Friday afternoon on NBC and you're not getting Friday evening on NBC. So that would be if, you know, frankly, if you were with ESPN where a, a sports network or if you wanted to do it on USA do a prime time qualifying to determine the poll or something like that. If you wanted, and there's a lot of things involved in that, but it's just something if somebody really wanted to dig deep, maybe. So maybe there is a scenario something like that if you wanted to make a shorter program. Uh, And I think there could be something to said for our attention span. So let's not do a six-hour program on Saturday. Let's do... Two and a half hours on Friday, everybody goes through the line one time, and then you come back and do something in a shorter period on Saturday, and it's not a six-hour show. Maybe add in a concert to try to make it more of an event. If you really want to be creative, which there are roadblocks to that too, because we all know that people don't like change. Many people do not like change when it comes to the Indianapolis 500. So you're never, ever going to satisfy anywhere close to everyone with any kind of tweak, no matter how good or potentially bad it is.
1: Yep. I agree with that. I, I, I just suspect that, uh, you know, fast Friday is from a speedway standpoint is a really important day. It, it, uh, really helps set the stage and for what the weekend could be. It's a, it's a a very good PR day too, because you've got big numbers on the, on the speed chart. People are excited about Mm -hmm. qualifying. It's kind of a day in unto itself. So, you know, from a, you know, largely publicity standpoint, And getting people excited about what's to come, I think
0: that serves a very important role. If you're really worried about, if you want to take out the luck of the draw, what I would suggest is you start qualifying at 1 p.m. and going back to, to, does it need to be 11 a.m.? Does it start at 11 a.m. again this year? Yeah, I believe so. Does does it really need to be, actually, it's, it's almost seven hours. It really doesn't need to be seven hours. Might be something worth thinking about to get a higher percentage of the qualifying on network television instead of just on streaming. Maybe you started one o'clock and some because then it's pretty consistent temperatures and it really doesn't start to change again uh, since we're on Eastern time until after five o'clock. So then you have people that want to gamble and go back out. So that would be something I would think about as well, that maybe you do that. And I don't think that hurts your day. You've still got plenty of content. you still got a chance to go through the line two times. Someone will say, well, yeah, but what if it rains? Then you only have five hours. And that's true. You could have wasted two hours of daylight when you could have been on track. But sometimes you take chances. But you know what? You could run until eight. Yeah. Just On the back end, you have a plan that you run until eight o'clock. I might start,
1: so, I mean, funny as it sounds, I might start at noon uh, just to... You know, if you go, if you're at the end of the line and you get done at, at if you start at noon and it you're at the end of the line at two thirty, two forty five, you've got some time to to kind of cool down and turn around and get ready for for later. Mm-hmm. The deeper you push it into the day, the less time you have if you're at the back part of the line to turn your turn your program around for a second run. That would be a compromise because it's the, it's the eleven o'clock hour. That's between eleven
0: a.m. Really, and 30. yes starting at noon you're not getting that much of an advantage and it kind of feels like you know especially if the sun is out that advantage is gone by the time you get to 12 15 uh or so apex circuit asks and this was touched on either last night or the night before how did ticket sales look this year and i was this on who was answering this on our show or did i hear Doug on another show well I, I hear they're going well
1: Doug's been on another show and and uh, consistently is- Oh, that's uh, right. You
0: were citing that. You were citing this, I think.
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. And by the way, I got the answer on the renewal period uh, represents three-fourths of the tickets are renewed in that first, what, six weeks or whatever the number of days after the Indy 500, three-fourths of them are renewed uh, each year. Is there a five hundred hours promotion? I thought that's what the question was. What, whatever, whatever the time frame. I said six weeks. Whatever it is, the time period after the Indy five hundred, there's a renewal period. I'm sorry, I don't always know that, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but that period represents three fourths of the tickets for the next year. That's unbelievable.
0: Indy five hundred fan one, uh, I think had had a good response when, you know, I was. Just kind of rambling about uh, the the honest jealousy. The jealousy I think some of us have over the popularity of Formula One. Wondering why not us. He uh, says, while you may want more opulence in IndyCar, I'd rather not pay $175 for a bratwurst at Road America. And my response was, excellent point. We should probably just enjoy what we enjoy. Enjoy what we like. So let's stop worrying about them. And let's enjoy the fact that we can actually go see in person the motorsport event that we enjoy the most and not need to take out a mortgage or just not be priced out because we yep. are priced out of Formula One at the moment. So uh, good for us. We're not priced out of IndyCar. It's still uh, very competitive in the the sports landscape. And I think you'd probably find cheaper than a lot of options. By the way, my over under um, on Brats
1: yeah. at Road America is 2.5 per day. Okay.
0: So, yeah, that would be, (laughs) oh, 354, 525 uh, in the Formula One world. (laughs) Uh, Sam Myers at Basement Ball said, I've been listening to Trackside for probably 10 years, and I'm greatly honored that my tweet was used as a news source on the show last night. So thank you for contributing, Sam. Maggie asks, who will be the top finishing rookie at the 500 this year? I had to give some thought to this.
1: It's uh, first of all, it's not a huge list to start with. You got Stingray Rob, you've got Benjamin Peterson, you got uh, Augustine Canapino. Uh, Is that it? Do we have three? Oh uh, no, R.C. Enerson would be a fourth if he makes. Assuming all these guys make the race, Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and and uh, well, I was going to say Canapino, but I'm going to go with Stingray Rob. I'm going go to say now.
0: Canapino because he just seems to be smart, get things done. I don't think he'll press the issue, assuming he makes the race. And I think he'll run around and, you know, he'll finish 18th or something like that and and be there at the end. But, yeah, there's not anybody that stands out that can change. You know, the coin cars sometimes have really good setups. Foyt is better at Indy than they are at other places. So, you know, they could be in the mix there. So, fun. Good question. Out of that from Matt Henniger. Love the coverage you made with both behind the bricks and trackside. Will you ever do a combo show for two hours? Well, no, we can barely get the two of us together for the same <laughs> time, let alone four of us. And no one needs to hear four people trying to to find airtime. So that works out great. Jake and Mike have the second hour. We have the first hour.
1: By the way, uh, uh, he's asking- you know, the, the thing is about the Indy Lights uh, any next drivers it's not like those those guys who have run indy next meaning stingray rob and and benjamin peterson they don't have this isn't a year where those indy next drivers have stellar oval track uh credentials i mean those two guys weren't they you know the hallmark of their time and
0: well, none of them been to a super speedway well but e- but even well i guess even, texas they've been to texas now yeah
1: you you know what I mean? I mean it's not like you know some of these drivers that have come up through Indy Next had won races on ovals, uh, yeah. and and these two, that isn't the hallmark of their of their careers. So that's why I don't lean more maybe toward one than than the other.
0: Well, and also you know let's just be honest, it's a different kind of rookie class. We don't have the reigning Indy Lights champion. He didn't get a ride. Yep. So the best, most qualified driver. The others are fine. They're good. But the guy who showed that he was better didn't get a chance this year. He may still, uh, and will probably be hanging around in May. He's got an oval license now, so you never know. Matt also asked if we can go over the changes for qualifying, especially with 34 cars. I know we touched on a few weeks ago. We'll get to it again. Um, but it's similar to the past. The only change is now that they're going to do the start of the top 12 qualifying, one round, one time through, Then, I believe, do the last row shootout and then come back and do the fast six. Also, there was a question we had recently about cooling. I talked to Jay Fry today and he said, um, we're going to announce some plans. We're going to talk to the teams. So I'm not going to totally get in what the plans were, but I'll just say this. IndyCar has a plan to help the cars cool the engines and and make it give them a better chance on a second run in the last row shootout to potentially go faster. So stay tuned, and we'll let IndyCar make that announcement as we get closer to qualifying. More tweets and other things all coming up in our news of the day, too. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: This is Alex Palau, and you're listening to Truckside.
0: As you know, Maine Indianapolis means racing, including big-time racing on the dirt at Circle City Raceway and their all-new clay surface. May 19th, it's the second annual CJ Rayburn Tribute with $10,000 to win Super Late Models and Boss 410 Sprints. That's a week from Friday, May 24th and 25th. It's the USAC and Soil Sprint Car National Championships. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds. Discounts for military, first responders, veterans, seniors, and teachers. Tickets and info at circlecityraceway.com. Kurt, what is our news of the day? Well,
1: you probably saw it on social media. And Man, does that thing look super. And uh, that souped-up race car if you will, is a Corvette to pace the Indianapolis 500. Um, you know, it's it's a Chevy track, and, and we will continue to have Chevys, but having a Corvette Z06, the first hard top convertible, that red mist metallic color looks really good. So that pace car is going to be looking good in somebody's garage come uh, early June. So and because Sarah the winner
0: will be driving it again.
1: The the winning driver will get one of the pace cars, uh, so it'll look good. It's I think we've had we've had Chevrolets every year since 1996 when it was a Viper. So mm. anyway, really cool stuff. Even if the news is not the fact that General Motors has the car again, <laughs> the news is that this thing is uh, looks great.
0: All right, more Twitter questions from at waiting for Indy. I listen every day of Trackside in the month of May. One of my favorite segments is the Thursday before race weekend for your driver tiers. Oh, very nice. With the Burger Bash being on that Thursday, which day will you do your tiers? Shout out to Aaron and Amy in Wisconsin. So I'm glad he pointed that out. Then I, I need to be more clear on our dates. No, the Burger Bash is not on Thursday. The Burger Bash is Monday, May 22nd. Same location as last year. The USAC building uh, across the street and this is also kind of confusing too it's the prime 47 burger bash it's not at prime 47 it's still an outdoor event so it's at the usac back parking lot beautiful building right across from 16th in georgetown it's free for outside viewing if you feel like you want a little bit extra and want to donate to the iu simon comprehensive cancer center a 100 donation makes you a vip and then you get access to the indoor facilities the Prime 47 free food, there'll be Prime 47 steak burgers for sale. Uh, Indie Brew Bus is providing our adult beverages. We'll have non-adult beverages as well. And then that's kind of where the, the the green room will be. The drivers will be coming through and you have a separated seating section. So that's still on Monday. Now, what gets confusing is I'm a promoter of many events now. <laughs> There's another one on Thursday for our race weekend uh, guests. So that is at Silo, the uh, cool auto conservancy downtown with a nice entertainment facility. That is not a free event. That is ticketed, VIP, uh, high-level food, drink, band, drivers, simulator, and more. That's Thursday night. uh, JacksonLeeRacing.com. Go to his blog. That's the easiest place to find the links for that and more details to come. So, yes, Kurt, we will do the tiers still on Thursday. No change in that.
1: Okay, that's good. By the way, from our um, from our people in the ticket office, yes, seventy to seventy five percent of the Indy five tickets are sold in the renewal window. But remember that even though you might have forty years of seniority, that's great, and we appreciate it. But everyone around you does too. So when you ask for an upgrade, give some flexibility in the request because not everyone can have the top row aisle seats. There
0: you go. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let's build a new top row. Oh, wait a minute. Then that's no longer the top row. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Burger Bash, the vice president of the Burger Bash responded to your quest for questions on the show. Gambiland, Mark Lynch has a dozen or so. I don't know if we'll get to all of these. First is overall, it's been a while since ECRs look competitive and a couple of years since they won a race. Why do you think that is? And do you think they write the ship this month?
1: Well, you know, non Indianapolis 500 aside, that's a different conversation. But at Indy, they've been very competitive. They just haven't won the race. I mean, Connor Daly's led what each of the last two years? Uh, Renus VK has led the race. They've qualified on the front row. I think they've had a front row qualifier the last two years. Obviously, Ed Carpenter's been very good at the Speedway. I think there will come a time when Ed Carpenter Racing wins the Indy 500. Now, whether that's with ed driving or not, that's another story, but I I don't know. I I know they've been plenty competitive in Indy, it just hasn't worked
0: out for them. And yeah, that's that's not in debate. They're fast at Indy, but they have hit a dry spell away from Indy that really kind of started uh boy, after the barber race that Renus VK almost won last year, not a lot of results. Uh, on road and street courses he finished fourth in one of the iowa races but i'm just looking at arenas from last year uh 21st 30 He crashed out of the 500 from up front 16th 17th fourth in mid ohio 13th fourth at iowa 19th 6 12th 26 20th 14th and this year hasn't started much better so they desperately need things to turn around and I see no reason to believe they won't be strong again for Indy. GP, different matter. They've been good there in the past, so I think we'll learn something about where they're at coming up this weekend as well. Uh, What's the word on a third manufacturer? It would seem like the month of May is a good time to bring potential manufacturers to the Speedway. Yes, it would be. What's the word? I have no idea. I'm not aware of a word, and that doesn't mean that they're not close. If and when we ever see a third manufacturer, there's a decent chance that we get – an email notification that says, "Eh, we've got a media availability tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. And then boom, there you go. It's announced. Penske Entertainment, Penske Corp can do things that way sometimes. Rest assured that any prospect, every prospect has been invited to enjoy the Indianapolis 500. You know, I, I mentioned this, I think, on the air, and I think it's okay to mention now because they confirmed that they did consider it. I remember in... 2019 sitting across a breakfast table from david wilson the head of trd who was there not in any toyota gear just kind of incognito and i happened to be with someone Townsend bell who knew him and that's how i noticed who david was he said yeah i'm just here checking things out they're checking things out so i suspect there might be others here checking things out and i hope david wilson comes back you know i still think that that that's not done that's they considered it. They weren't willing to do it now. Let's keep talking. And maybe they would be interested by 2026. And I, I'm sure they're working on some others at this point as well. Land says, what's your go-to ice cream flavor? Do you like movies with gladiators? Max Verstappen said last week he would never race at Indy. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Well, I, do was, you have
1: a sense? I mean, other than yeah, Formula One races there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's scary. And a lot of these guys have admitted that. I don't know if Max has, but when you see Formula One guys, I, I appreciate and respect the ones that just say, yeah, that looks, that looks insane. <laughs> and I think we should blow up those quotes and plaster them on 100 days to Indy. That it does take a special kind of person. And also from realistics, you know, I know drivers that have said this. Um, I'm not super keen of these super speedways, but I need a job, so I do it. You know, I I got into this to road course race, but the biggest race in the world and the biggest race we do is a super speedway. So I need to embrace that. And they've learned to love it and they enjoy that competition. But, you know, if you're Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton, you don't need the paycheck. So I get it why they're not willing to take the risk involved. uh, But it's one of the reasons why we admire drivers who do the Indy 500. Keep in mind, I'm glad you pointed this out, there have been just as many
1: drivers who, in this group of drivers that we're talking about, who didn't have any real excitement for competing at Indy. Dario Franchitti comes to mind, and he got here, he saw it, he enjoyed it, he won it, he loves it, you know, so there, there there are people who have a sort of a transformation, and there are many others like that.
0: And I think that comment, though, more is from mile and a half pack racing tracks. Agreed. I, agreed. I, I'm not finding you, you're right about Dario, that he was not in love with the place. And some of that was, you know, born on the cart car IRL split. And remember, he was a part of Team Green, who feels that Paul Tracy had the Indy 500 stolen from him, as do a lot of people. We won't get into that. That's a story for another day. But there was animosity. Between the camps uh, and and it took him a little while to really embrace it. But I think generally the the comment that I've heard before about racing for a paycheck, that would apply to an old fashioned pack race at Texas Motor Speedway or Vegas or some of the others. I think generally speaking, they all get and they love the Indianapolis 500 out of time in this segment. We'll see what we missed and more coming up and tweets we don't get to. We may still get to some in the next segment, but we've got tomorrow. It's Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. This is- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: It's Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort, on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: All right, we are mobile for the final segment tonight. I thought the little handy-dandy app we use would work, but it's not. I wanted to get outside for just a little bit, took a break. Uh, So a couple of tweets that have come in. For the love of Indy uh, has a good point. We were talking about impactful races, and I thought about this. I I don't like to talk about it either, but impactful in 2011. It's one of the reasons why I don't really enjoy revisiting that race, not only for the heartbreak of J.R. Hildebrand, but it makes me sad to think about Dan, and he points out if Weldon doesn't win that race, he likely doesn't compete at Vegas in October, dark to think about, but still. And it's true. Uh, also, I can't read who this is from from Nathan. Why not have the qualifying draw be determined by the finishing order of the GP? Tie the events together a bit more. That's a good point. That, that's a that's a good thing to consider. However, I would warn uh, everyone, and, and you, Nathan, remember, People don't like change, and if you did something like that and you go away from the six fifteen Friday before qualifying draw, there would be outrage, and you would have to deal with that. Uh, also, for the love of, Indy pointed out that Nicole Briscoe has been on the radio and television broadcast for the five hundred. How, how can I forget that? We worked together in the five hundred broadcast, and she was the host. I think the last year that ABC did the 500 in 2018. Also, Brian Frederick points out, I think his handle is at 500 Indy Indy 1911, that it's Dr. Indy, at Dr. Indy 500, that has all those archived audio versions that are really, really cool. If you're curious about such things, the ratings are out for the weekend. Uh, NASCAR did beat Formula One, so it's kind of strange. The Formula One, Telecast included 90 minutes of pre-race. So if you look at it that way, NASCAR easily wins. Um, and I think the rating was 0.9 and 1.64 million over the average. But if you take out the pre-race, you find a much bigger number for the Formula One race. It's still down a little bit from last year, down from 2.6 million, but it was a little over 2 million in that circumstance. And uh, Formula One easily won the uh, head-to-head in the coveted younger demographic. All right, we're out of time. We'll try again tomorrow night. Stay tuned. Jake Query and Mike Thompson are coming up next. Ninety-three-five one-zero-seven-five. The Fan.